sit back, relax. You're listening to the Lazy Procrastination Podcast. I'm Sophie, and this is The Big Sleep. Well, well, well. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the first episode of the Bookworm series, our first series in the Big Sleep podcast, and I'm very excited about it. You might not know this, but it is talking about books that motivated me to do this podcast in the first place. I regularly write for my friend Amy's literary review, Batform, and Batform is a literary review by Black, Asian, and marginalized communities, writers, and my friend Emma, who I do my master's with, just started a podcast with her best friend Jess. It's called Fluff. It's incredible. I strongly recommend watching it. But yeah, Fluff is a podcast about friendship, love, unfortunate failures and fun. And it's full of joy and energy. And they're just two balls of energy. And you listen to them, it gives you joy for the day. But anyways, Jess and Emma wanted to offer people to do takeovers of the podcast to discuss different types of issues and so I asked Amy if she wanted to do one with me with Batform and so we did the Batform takeover of Fluff I'll link it it was really fun and we talked about um, representation in literature mostly and I really enjoyed doing that and then I thought why don't I do my own podcast and that's how the big sleep was born so yeah it seemed only natural that the first series would be the bookworm series. I'm a bookworm. I'm a library rat, as we say in French, en la bibliothèque. And I think that there are so many things to talk about and discuss when it comes to books and literature. And um, what I'd like to talk about specifically in this series is what kind of stories get to be told. How do we give books legitimacy? How do hierarchies come to be? Who speaks questions of representations and how to do representation right and how to do it wrong. Questions of the voices that you get to hear. I just read Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo and that was incredible. And that was, oh, that was a gem. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. It won the Booker Prize or Bernadine Evaristo won the Booker Prize for this book. And it was just, it was a collection of stories about different women, mostly black women, in the UK. And then they, some of them also traveled. And it was just, there was such a diversity in the good sense of the world. I mean, there was a bunch of different representations because all the characters were so different from one another. And it gave you depth and none of them were shallow. And they all felt like real people, incredible people, most of them, but real people. And you don't get to read that that often about black women specifically. And I just loved it. So, yeah, if you haven't read it yet, run to your nearest independent bookshop or, I don't know, order it online and enjoy this read because it was incredible. So, yeah, for this first episode, I thought it would be fun to share my five rules for reading. This is taking a page straight out of another podcast by another friend who I worked with, um, Beth and her friend Helen. They have a podcast called Rules for Life where people share their rules for living. And I thought that I could do rules for reading to kind of like give a, an introduction to this series. 
So rule number one is always have a book in your bag. If you listen to the intro episode of this podcast, you'll know that I am a commuter. I take the tube quite a lot and I always have. And I actually, controversial opinion, think that the tube or the bus is one of the best places, if not the best place, to read. Because you're in the tube, right? You have your time and you're not going to do anything else. And you're not going to be distracted. You're not going to be on your phone. Personally, I'm not going to go on YouTube. So I'm just going to have this stretch of time where I can read. Now it takes skills. You have to be able to read with your arms folded up against your face. But once you've acquired those skills, it's actually pretty great. I usually put on some music and then I read my book and I love it. If you always have a book in your bag, then you're able to do that every time that you get five minutes. So you get to the doctors and you can read. Or yeah, you're on the tube and you can read. Where, where else do we wait? Um, you have to queue somewhere. I don't know. You have to make your passport again. You have an admin appointment and you can just read. And having a book in your bag is the solution to all moments of boredom. I think that it's a pity now that I have so much data on my phone because I've stopped reading as much. Um, when I was a kid or like when I was a teen, I would just even read in the street, which I'm lucky that I never fell or I never broke anything. But I just, yeah, being able to have those stretches of time to really get immersed in a book I quite like. Um, so yeah, that's my rule number one. My rule number two is to never force yourself to finish a book. Now, I know some people think that you should try to at least go past, I don't know, the 50th page or the 100th page. And then if you then don't like it, you should put it down. But I don't believe in that. I think that if you're meant to read a book, then you just will. It will stick somehow. That if you don't put it down and maybe at some point you'll go back to it or maybe you won't. And that's completely fine. <laughs> I think it's great to have a big pile of books that you found somewhere or that you bought for cheap or that you maybe bought for expensive um, and that you haven't gotten to read yet. But they're just here as objects that you can keep around you and carry with you. A good example of this rule of mine is a book that I read during lockdown. Um, it's called Et Soudain la Liberté. It was written by Evelyne Pizier and Caroline Laurent. I'm sorry, it hasn't been translated yet I will let you know if it does but the story is really cool so I'll talk about it anyways and people who speak French you can go and pick it up and people who don't you can just enjoy the story so Evelyne Pizier it's her life story that book that novel and Caroline Laurent was her editor and Evelyne was quite old and she died while they were writing the book and so Caroline took took it upon herself to finish what they started And that book is the story of um, Evelyn Pizier's life and also her mother's life. So Evelyn Pizier was born in what at the time was still a French colony in Vietnam, Indochina at the time. And so her father was this really authoritative, sexist, racist, colonial figure. And her mother married really young and she was from the bourgeoisie. And then also like this colonial class of French people living in, white people living in the colonies. And um, this book is about the two of them and their emancipation 
from what they believed in and also from that that man in particular so for her mother at least it's her emancipation from her husband and they travel around the world because they go out of Indochina or they go out of Vietnam and then they go to France and then they move around and it's also a book about feminism because one of the triggers for um, her mother's emancipation is she meets a librarian who works in the public library and the librarian tells her to read Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex and that like lights up a bulb in her brain and that's the beginning of like a lot of <clears throat> reflections that enable her to yeah free herself from some of the shackles of her position. What I found really interesting while reading that book was that on the one hand, you have this story of um, emancipation or like of feminism, but it's really one kind of feminism. And it's quite interesting to think about it again, like if you look at it from an intersectional perspective, you have the whole narrative that like Simone de Beauvoir's book is incredibly freeing. But again, like where, how was she able to read that? And then you see those moments, for instance, for her. So she was never able to work before because her husband wouldn't let her work. But then she starts to work to earn her life and, and she likes that. And you have this idea that work is necessarily emancipatory for women, which again is really classed because working class women, women of color have always had to work. And that was an emancipatory for them. So I thought that it was really interesting to have that one perspective for, from the inside and see what they got rid of and what they didn't get rid of. So you also see that moment where um, her mom says that the two things that she doesn't want to teach her daughter is like how to make the bed and how to cook because that's the roles that women have been ascribed to traditionally. But again, really interestingly, they always had um, servants around the house, people to help them, people to cook their food or people to clean after them. And that again is really classed. So that's for the kind of thoughts a part of reading that book but the other part of the book is that it's also just it's a great adventure I mean I don't want to spoil what happens but at some point I can say that because it's on the blurb so you know it from the beginning but um even Pizier becomes Fidel Castro's girlfriend lover yeah because she's a communist when she's a teen and then she like ends up not a teen uh university student and she ends up on that trip to cuba and there she meets fidel castro and then they have this adventure together and it's a pretty incredible life and it's pretty cool to read um, and i didn't know her before but she's actually quite famous so her sister's also famous so yeah give it a quick wiki if you're interested in the story but yeah great book why was i talking about that book is that i bought it at the beginning of the year and then I had it in my bag for a while and I don't know I read the first few pages and it didn't really stick and then I moved to London and then I forgot about it and then I picked it up again during lockdown and I dove into it and I really enjoyed reading it and it was the perfect escape from <laughs> my apartment and it was just really good to be able to read that at that moment and I don't think I would have been able to do it if, I mean, not I don't think I wouldn't have been able to do it had I forced myself to read it the first time and maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. So, yeah, then again, an exception to that rule is that there are a lot of books that I would have never gotten through that I would have never read if I hadn't been forced to read them at school. 
yeah, some like boring classics that I only enjoyed because I was forced to study them. And I only read in the first place because I had to read them and then I would be marked on it. So yeah, exceptions. Sometimes it's good to be forced. But as a rule of thumb, don't force yourself. Just go with the flow. We're not at school. Rule number three is not really a rule. I mean, I guess it's a rule. Well, it's secondhand bookshops and public libraries. If you can wait for a book to be in a secondhand bookshop, or if you just can wait a little bit for it to be in the public library, do that and save loads of money um, and read more books. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I know that um, that's something that I've always been taught. Um, in Paris, we have this big secondhand bookshop called Gibert, and my mom would always take us there. And then you could exchange your books. So if you were done with a book, you could give it back. And then they, you could either get money or you could get points to buy more books. And we always got points. And then you could just like go and have this circulation of books. It was really cool. And uh, yeah, well, in general, I would say I say the secondhand books in public libraries. But also I want to say like buying from independent bookshops in general, not just because that way you can support um, local business owners instead of supporting Amazon, but also because talking to people who work around books and are passionate about books makes for some of the most incredible conversations. And yeah, like the book that I was just talking about, for instance, I bought it because I went to this festival in Paris in the autumn called Les Autrices. And it was a festival about women writers. And the woman who was selling that book was with a feminist bookshop. And so she had a stand and I went and I heard her speak to another woman about that book. And I was just like, you know what? I heard you speak about it and now I want it because she just made it. She sold it well, but she sold it well because she'd loved it and she'd read it. And um, that reminded me as well as uh, when I was younger, I went to the book fair. In Paris, we have a book fair uh, once a year, Le Salon du Livre. It's in loads of cities. I just, that's the one I know. Um, and we'd go with my mom and we'd always spend way too much money because we'd buy too many books. But again, it was just being able to be with the, so that time was mostly the publishers. And it's just so cool to be with people who are from like independent small publishing houses and that will tell you about everything down to the color of the ink or the font that they chose or why this author works particularly well with this translator and that kind of things and it's just having people who really know what they're talking about talk to you about the books I think is gives for some of the best um, discoveries and that's a good way to find more things that you want to get your hands on so yeah I guess the rule is privileged secondhand bookshops and public libraries the absolute rule is if you can buy from an independent bookshop do that because it's fun to talk to people about books and just in general I'm professing my love for public libraries I will make an episode about it yeah rule number four when in doubt, pick up a novel. So that rule came from the fact that I have had quite a few conversations with friends in the past few months, uh, ever since I finished undergrad. And you kind of have those two types. You have people who haven't picked up a book since they finished uni because they just don't 
have time and also because we had to read so much. Um, here I'm talking about people who studied humanities. You spend all day, every day reading essays and reading books. And maybe that's a bit of a word overload. And so they kind of had to go and cleanse and then they can't really go back to reading. And then you have people who, like me, kind of stopped reading for pleasure at university because we spend so much time reading for work and who have rediscovered the um, magic of reading for pleasure now that they're out, or at least now that they're a little bit more out. Because I'm still studying, but it's not as intense as in undergrad. And um, something that I always found is that sometimes I think that I can't read anymore, that I'm stuck because I'm only trying to read nonfiction, because I'm trying to read essays, and I'll be trying to read kind of the same essays that I would be reading for work. I mean, I study, I said, gender, media, and culture. So in my spare time or in the library, I would be trying to read the same books. And I used to love essays. And sometimes I think about some essays that I read before I went to university. And then I went back to those same writers, feminist writers often, um, when I was at uni. And then but at the time, I'd read them for pleasure in the bus. But then once I went back to it, I kind of struggled to then read for myself. And every time that I was stuck, I just picked up a novel. So, yeah, at uni, I kind of stopped reading for myself because, well, as I said, I wasn't commuting. I was cycling. And so I couldn't read in the bus, <laughs> which is my spot. And I, in the evening, I wouldn't read. I would just, like, put on a YouTube video or watch a series because I had a word overload from being on my laptop reading all day. And then sometimes I was like, but I really wish I could still read and realized that if I picked up a novel, then that problem went away. So so at uni, I had that with Milan Kundera's The Unbearable Lightness of Being. That's a really great read. I haven't read it in a couple of years, but when I read it, it really stuck with me because it had some quite poetic moments. And it captured some feelings or it explains some things quite well. So uh, my friend Leah and I talked a lot about um, what he said about kitsch. And I thought, yeah, that kind of stuck, like what kitsch is and what it means. And also he has this passage that's quite famous on um, sleeping with someone, like sleeping, actually sleeping and then having sex and kind of the difference between those two things. Yeah, and I read that book and I read it in one go and it just reminded me of how much I love reading novels. And then that happened this year as well when I started uni again and I was running from work to uni to home to seeing my friends and I just wasn't reading. And then at work, Nat, shout out to Nat for recommending this. Um, she recommended Homegoing by Yak Yazi and that was God, I was hooked. I just couldn't put it down. Um, that's also an amazing novel, if you haven't read it. Strongly recommend. It's a novel that starts... So, I don't want to spoil it. It's just... I can't really say anything, because I would spoil it. But it's a novel about transgenerational histories and transgenerational traumas. It's a novel about the history of the US and the history of colonialism. It's a novel about what gets passed down and what doesn't. It's really well written and I personally really, really enjoyed it. And everyone that I've spoken to who's read it has also really enjoyed it. 
so I recommend it. And finally, rule number five is throw hierarchies out the window. Book snobbery is despicable and it is meaningless. And there is no reason why autobiography should be a superior genre to crime or young adult fiction or fantasy. There are amazing fantasy books and there are really shit autobiographies or I don't know, novels, or I don't know what is the best book at the moment, book genre. And in fact, hierarchies are quite political because there's a reason why certain books are at the bottom of the cultural pyramids. And there's a reason why we talk about um, what in France we say, like train station literature, um, but or like just easy books that are deemed to be not well written. Some of them aren't, but at the same time, Agatha Christie. Those are crime books and they're incredible and everyone agrees that they're incredible. And actually, Batform's current issue is on crime, kind of trying to think and expand the borders of crime literature. And I've really enjoyed reading it because people wrote about things like colonialism as a crime and trying to think about like the impact of colonialism on writing. Um, and that just made me really kind of reconsider or like think about the crime genre in a different way. Love stories, the infamous chiclet. Yeah, why is chiclet bad? Is it because it's written by women for women? Potentially, much to think about. That'll be an episode. What's a good book and what's a bad book? I don't think anyone gets to define that. A good book is a book that you enjoy. A good book is a book that you find well written, that transports you, that opens your eyes in some way or that makes you feel things and um you don't have to have read anything it's not because you haven't read all of Shakespeare or that you haven't read Marcel Proust's In Search of Lost Time that um you're not well read that's another thing who gets to be in the canon and who makes the canon a lot of discussions around decolonizing disciplines um within academia but also you hear phrases like decolonizing your bookshelves those are more than taglines it's also trying to think outside of the western white male straight old canon and try to expand it and see what you can learn from that and integrate books from other places other times other writers and see that there might be worth just as much if not more and learn from that as well. And this brings me to the end. Those were my five rules. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next time, I will be talking about public libraries and bookshops. <laughs> I think you heard from this that I'm a big fan. If you have your own rules for reading, please send them over, share them in the comments over on Instagram. Let's have a conversation. Everything I talked about will be in the podcast notes and on the website. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and share this with your friends if you want to. I'll speak to you soon. In the meantime, sleep tight. Bye.